OCD. So I like things in their place. I like to know what's happening. I'm all up for spontaneity as long as it's kind of controlled and I know what's going to happen in the spontaneity. Um, and so uh, um, quarter past 20 past 10 last night, I get a text, and, and bless her, we had uh, a lady called Christina who was going to come and share. She's got an amazing ministry in Pakistan. Uh, I've had the privilege of going a couple of times to Pakistan, and it's an amazing country, uh, and it's, it's challenging being a Christian in Pakistan. Uh, I heard when I was there, I heard of one story of a, a, a Pakistani man got saved, became a Christian, and um, was desperate to be baptized, and none of the churches would baptize him because of the threat on the churches, so they knew that if they were to baptize um, uh, uh, this this person who is converted from another faith, that, that, that there'd be pressure on them and probably some hostility towards them, so they wouldn't baptize. Um, so he baptized himself in the street and lost his life because of it. And that's the reality of, of Pakistan. I mean, I was there maybe uh, six, seven years ago, um, and, and she's ministering in that situation. But uh, I'd ask you to pray for Christina. I, don't, I just got a text saying there's a family emergency. I need to leave. I don't know anything more than that uh, other than I then went into I need to write a message for tomorrow mode. Um, and so please just pray for Christina um, and, and the family emergency that she's experiencing. If I hear anything, I'll send out a prayer chain uh, so we can be praying for her. But I just uh, kind of Carl was asleep next to me. I was being spiritual and just seeking the Lord and she was snoring her head off. Because um, that's what our family's like, the spiritual one, the heathen. Um, and so uh, I'm just seeking God while I'm panicking, going, God, I don't know what to speak on. Um, I barely know where th- what I'm doing this week in my diary, but I've got to speak on something. And I just felt God say that I want to speak to you about connection. And I was just reading, reading the scripture, and I was just, just felt God say that I want to speak to you about connection. Because this week I had a moment, uh, we went shopping uh, on holiday. Why would you go shopping on holiday? It sounds like hell on earth. But we went to this big place um, near Bristol with a stack load of outlet shops, and it was just horrific. Um, the only benefit of going in the shop was to escape the rain. And, um, and I'm in the shop, but there was no signal on my phone. And a few of us have decided, because it's the Cricket World Cup this year, we're going to go and see uh, one of the matches. And they just released some tickets. It all sold out, but they just released some extra tickets for Edgebaston. And so I was contacting some people that I knew would want to come. And they're like, yeah, we wanted to come anyway, but we was all sold out. So let's get some tickets. And they got them really cheap for like a day of cricket. If you don't like cricket, just substitute it with the sport you like. But uh, a day of sitting there just watching cricket. Uh, and, and I had no signal. So I got the message from the people saying, yes, we want to come. And I, I know that they're selling quick because it sells out really fast. And I'm just trying to buy these tickets. And constantly my phone is just saying, no signal. Connection failed. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting annoyed at my phone. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. When you're trying to do something and you know there's like a time limit on it, but the pressure's on and it just, you just can't get it done, can you? You just, you're just trying to connect and it just says, connection failed, connection failed. And so I, I was like, Cara, I'm afraid you're a single mom for a minute. I'm just got to go over here and get this sorted because priorities are priorities. And I need to get these tickets. Um, it wasn't like that. No, it was. Um, and so I, I left uh, and, and went and sorted the tickets out, and it just would not sell to the point where, I mean, you're going to sympathize with me because we had to pay double the price because the, the bronze tickets had gone, and so we had to upgrade to silver tickets, and they were double the price. And so uh, thankfully, you will be pleased to hear we did get tickets, so we are going to the Cricket World Cup this year. Um, thank you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. God bless. I hope that spoke to you. <laughs> The Lord is speaking this morning. Um, that's the, the point is, though, I wonder if that ever represents your time with God. I wonder if that ever represents your walk with God. That it's like connection is lost. 
Like, I, God, I, I want to communicate with you. I want to hear from you. I, I want to be close to you. But it's just like there's no signal. Just like, God, the connection is gone. I felt God say, John, you need to be really honest this morning and be vulnerable. But there are seasons in my life, probably more recent than I'd like to admit being a pastor. But as well as being a pastor, I'm a follower of Jesus. There are moments in my life where I felt like I can't connect with God. And like God is, there's the ceiling and God is above the ceiling and I can't break through and I can't speak to him. And he feels so far away. He feels so quiet, so distant. It feels like the signal has been lost. If you've got a Bible, we need to know that something's inspired this morning. So we're going to read from God's word. Matthew 24. It's an amazing moment. In verse 13, where we see two people walking on a road. Sorry, Luke 24. See, I don't even know what I'm doing now. I'm looking at it going, that is not what's meant to be in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 does not say that. No, that's because it's Luke 24. (laughs) It's always great when you've got like a proper speaker in church looking at you, and you ain't got a clue what you're doing. So, Mark, just look the other way, mate. (laughs) Luke 24, there we go, verse 13. Just going to read verse 13 down to a verse uh, somewhere. We'll stop at some point, we'll stop. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was the prophet almighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came and said that they had seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, all foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them all the scriptures, uh, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near the village to which they were going. He acted as they were going farther. He acted as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed And broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. What an amazing story. Let's just pray together. God, will you just help me this morning just to communicate something from your word. Just to help each one of us. Holy Spirit, will you do what only you can do. Which is meet each one of us right where we're at. Whether we feel we're the closest to you that we've ever felt. Or whether we feel somewhat distant. And like there's something that's blocking it just feels like signal is lost connection is gone god will you just come and just 
just meet each person this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this, this story, this amazing moment where we've got two disciples, followers of Jesus, just walking on this road, and, and everything that's happened is, is what we've celebrated uh, last week and the week before, Holy Week, of, of Jesus coming in with a triumphant arrival into Jerusalem and him clearing the temple and having the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane and, and having these moments of, of not wanting to go through with what he knows he needs to do to, to save humanity. And, and then uh, he's arrested and trumped up charges uh, and this kangaroo court um, where he is charged with a crime and the punishment of that crime is death. And uh, one thing the Romans were pretty good at was knowing how to kill people. And so he is put through the most punishing uh, death possible and he's hung on a cross and he suffocates in his own blood. And the disciples are without hope. They're, they're lost. They are full of despair. They have no idea what is going on. They didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we read these, these words of Jesus, and for so much in our culture, we, we know what happened. We know the, the next few pages, don't we? We know that Jesus rises again, and it's the third day. And look, it, it's clear in Scripture, right from the prophets. That's what Jesus is saying to these men as he's journeying. Look, it's clear. But the disciples didn't get it. They weren't waiting around going, third day, he said he was going to rise. Let's, let's, let's just go and find him. They weren't expecting that to happen. Their, their thoughts were, this Savior is going to redeem us from the evil oppressor that is Rome. And he's going to come in and he's going he's to make everything sweet and perfect for us. And we're going to experience a, a whole new uh, way of living. And he's going to redeem us as the Jewish people and save us. He's our Messiah and, Israel, uh, sorry, and Rome are our oppressors. But what they didn't realize was that Jesus wasn't just coming to do that. He was, what he was actually coming to do was save humanity. And so they're, they're wandering around thinking, what has happened? This, this man that we believed fulfilled the scriptures, that we believed was the Messiah, we believed was the Savior of humanity, he's dead. And they're without hope and they're lost. And they're shocked. Their Messiah has died and it's now his body's not even in the tomb. And we see these two disciples and they're walking on this journey, on this road, and they're discussing all that's happened, all that's taken place. And then Jesus appears to them. But they don't know it's Jesus. They can't see that it's Jesus. And in verse 17, Jesus simply asks, uh, what, what are you talking about? He wants in on their conversation. And they say, do you not know what's been going on? You're like the only person on the planet that has no clue about in Jerusalem this last week. It's amazing to me. Cleopas, the one named, and then there's another unnamed disciple. But Cleopas, he, 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 he was one of Jesus' followers. He wasn't one of the 12, but he was pro scholars think that he was probably one of the 70. So he would have known Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He, he learned from Jesus. Yet here in this moment, he doesn't even recognize Jesus. Why is it that he doesn't recognize Jesus? I wonder if it's because... They've lost all hope. They've lost all hope because Jesus, who they wanted Jesus to be, who Jesus was. The expectation they'd got of who Jesus was going to be is not who Jesus was. Jesus, you're going to come and you're going you're to stop horrible Rome from oppressing us. But now you've just died at the hands of these oppressors. Jesus hasn't lived up to the expectation of these people, and so therefore their hope has gone. Do you know what? Jesus never lives up to expectation. 
never hear a preacher say that very often. Because so often what we expect of Jesus is not what Jesus is doing. And we want Jesus to do something for us to make our life easier. To say, God, I'm struggling right now. Jesus, I need you to do this. And Jesus doesn't do it. And we lose hope. And we think, Jesus, you're not hearing me. Jesus, you're not listening to me. Jesus, I I can't cope. Cleopas did not expect Jesus to die. I wonder if there's been moments in your life when God has not done what you expected him to do. I spoke a few weeks ago about forgiveness. And part of it that I just felt I needed to, just to prompt people to respond to was actually that, that perhaps whether you follow Jesus or not this morning, I, I want to put to you, do you need to forgive God? And actually release God from the expectation you've placed upon him to say, God, you're going to do this because this is what God does and he hasn't done it. And you feel like the connection's lost. Because God didn't come through for you. That very moment when I needed God to come through for me, he didn't show up. You know, um, Carol was praying a few weeks ago. And uh, she was asking God to do something. I didn't know about this. She didn't tell me until afterwards. And she said, I actually put a deadline on it. I said, God, by this time tomorrow, you need to have done this. God didn't do it. Kara is my hero of the faith because she said, and in that moment, what I realized is, what else have I got to put my hope in? A God who is sovereign, a God who knows better than me, or the fact that he didn't do what I wanted him to do. That he didn't meet my expectation of what I needed God to do. And she surrendered and said, God, you're much better at being God than I am. So I surrendered to the fact that you know best. Has God ever let you down? He didn't answer that prayer. He didn't speak when you needed him to. He didn't do what you needed him to do. It's in those moments that we lose connection and we start to doubt and we lose sight of Jesus. But I want to encourage you and say, even in those moments, just because you've lost sight of Jesus doesn't mean he's not walking with you. As those two disciples are walking on that path, they do not recognize Jesus. On that walk, they do not understand who he is. They cannot see the man that is stood right in front of him, but still he's walking with them. He is journeying with them. Jesus is more passionate about your connection with himself than you could ever possibly be. Isn't that amazing? No matter how passionate you are at the moment about being with God, I'm up at 5 a.m. every morning, I'm reading my Bible for two hours. Got Got through like seven books this morning of the Bible. Just so passionate about God. I'm going to worship for another six hours and then I might be late for work and I just have to explain I'm sorry. God's so good. I've just got to pursue him all the time. Whether that's where you're at or whether you're like, do you know what? I, I, um, this book feels like the heaviest book in the world. I can't even open it. Because let's be true. So that we, we get to that place sometimes, don't we? God is more passionate about you connecting with him than you ever could be connecting with yourself. That's what the incarnation is all about. That's just a really posh doctrine word of saying that God put on skin and bone and moved into our neighborhood. And he said, I'm more passionate about you being able to connect with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to step out of heaven and I'm going to come onto earth as man, fully man, fully God. And I'm going to make it so you can fully connect with me because that's how much I want you to connect with me. He wants to connect with you. In that moment. 
Jesus reveals the Father's heart for humanity. And there's another moment in, uh, in this last week of Jesus' life. I've just been reading just the last weeks of Jesus' life. And there's a bit in Mark, Mark 11. It's this last week of Jesus' life. And, and, and Jesus goes into the temple. And he, he, he gets a little bit angry. We were looking at this in Connect Group a few weeks ago. And we're like, man, God, Jesus just got really angry. In Mark 11, 15. It says, and they came to Jerusalem and entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, saying this, is it not written, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. I think that story just fascinates me about how much God is passionate about humanity connecting with him. Because what was happening here was uh, we, we've got Jesus coming into the temple. So remember, this is the last week. So we've got the, the story I've just told of the two disciples. That's, that's like uh, the afternoon of Easter Sunday. Or, no, yeah, Easter Sunday, three days after. They said it's three days after Jesus has died. He rises on the third day. So they're walking on what we would call Easter Sunday, and they're walking. But a week before that, this moment happens when Jesus comes in and he, he upturns. The t- it's like walking in now and just be like, I'm throwing everything all over the place. Because what was happening was um, the, the, the feast of Passover was happening and the people were coming and gathering and, and, and the, the people were actually manipulating those that came to the feast. Because what would happen was uh, you, the, the law was that you had to, to use a, a Jewish coin in order to, to buy the, the sacrifice that you needed to, to, uh, for the offering. So it was half a shekel. But the currency was a Roman coin. And so Roman coin wasn't accepted. You had to get a Jewish coin. And so people would come in and they would, they would have this Roman coin and the people, the money changers would exchange the coin so you could have the Jewish coin. But they were majorly inflating the price. So instead of it being a straight like, you know, whatever it is, whatever the exchange rate was, two, two Roman coins for one Jewish coin, there we go, sorted. What they were saying was, no, 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 it's like 20 Jewish coin, uh, Roman coins for one Jewish coin. So they could make money out of uh, those people that, that weren't, didn't have what they needed to be able to connect with God. And then what was happening was you'd have uh, people traveling from all over to come for the feast and the festival, and, and they didn't have the required uh, sacrifice. And so people were arriving, the poor were arriving, and, and, and wanting just a, a simple pigeon to offer as a sacrifice. And they were having to pay extortionate prices just to be able to connect with God. Essentially, the church and the temple became the place that restricted connection with God rather than facilitated it. Well, that's a challenge, isn't it? Church, are we the kind of place where people can connect with God? Are we the kind of place where people can come in and encounter a God that loves them? Or do we find every possible opportunity to say, I'm sorry, no, not here. I'm sorry, no, this bit of your life over here, no, I'm sorry. Because Jesus comes in and he is furious. And it is a righteous anger because it is directed at a problem, not a person. And he says, I'm sorry, the problem here is that I want people to connect with me, but this temple is stopping that from happening. And I'm angry at that. I'm going to overturn the tables. I'm going to say, I'm driving you out because I'm so passionate about connecting with humanity. With humanity. Even the setup of the temple which was actually God saying, I'm so desperate for humanity to connect with me and and they're sinful and I'm holy and this is how it must be done. But it came about exclusivity. It came about you had to be the certain person 
to be able to get, I'm sorry, you're not, you're, not, you're not welcome here. So the outer court, where is this, this is all happening, anyone was allowed pagan and, and women, but then as it went through the temple, it was, it was I'm sorry, Jewish men only. And then it became just the high priest. Jesus is saying, actually, I want my, pl- my house to become a house of prayer, a house of connection, a house of communicating with God. For who? For all people. For all nations. No matter what your background, no matter what about your present, no matter what uh, everyone says is wrong in your life, I want to connect with you. I want to be part of your life. And Jesus is angry because the church has become so exclusive. Every excuse was made to stop people connecting with God. Are you the right type of person? Do we start looking at people and and, and kind of thinking why God wouldn't love them rather than thinking of ways of why God does love them and encouraging them? I need to be careful because when I'm unprepared, I start to get on a soapbox. So I'm going to be careful. But I, I, get, I get so furious at the church that we become known about what we're against rather than what we're for. And so we have people that, that, that come on our doors and knock on our doors and, and, and we have people that we engage with and, and they instantly think, you don't like me because this is me. You don't accept me because this is me. This is my story. And we're like, no, God probably doesn't love you because that's your story. Because you're a sinner. Problem with that argument is the person who says it is also a sinner. <laughs> and whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. So if we're going to exclude people because of sin, then we have an empty church. But Christ died for us whilst we were still sinners. And he says, I have come that this house, this house would be a house of prayer. This house would be a place where people can connect with God. Not just through eyes closed, hands together, sitting with our, doing our prayer thing. But actually by the way we treat people, the way we engage with people, the way we communicate with God. And God communicates through us. That we're going to be a house of prayer, a place where people go, you know what, I can go there and I know I'm going to be connecting with God. Because his people there love God and love me. For all people. A house of prayer for all people. And so Jesus came and he passionately opposes those who stop people connecting to God. Maybe you feel distant from God because all you can see is the sin in your life. Can I just give you a little lesson on conviction and condemnation? Conviction comes from God, condemnation comes from humanity. Conviction reminds you, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of our righteousness. Interesting, isn't it? Because I've always been taught growing up that what God does is he tells me everything in my life that's wrong. That bit there, John, you need to deal with. That bit there, John, that's really wrong. John, that bit there, you've got to deal with that before I'm going to come close to you. But Scripture says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our righteousness, our right standing before God. So actually what the Spirit of God is doing is saying, John, this is who you are. You're not that, you're this. You're a child of God. Let me remind you who you are. Because when you're reminded about who you are, you'll live like that. And so humanity in the church so often comes along and says, that's what you got wrong. Yeah, I can see that coming. That's why God doesn't want to connect with you. That's why it feels like there's a ceiling above your head. 
So if in your life, all you can see is the stuff that God must hate, can I encourage you? He's walking on a path alongside of you. And my prayer is that your eyes would be open to the reality of who he is. Because he's telling you who you are. And he's revealing who he is. We can write ourselves off because of our past. God doesn't love me because this. God won't speak to me because of this. Church, God is speaking. God is walking with you. Jesus walks with clear paths and he unpacks the scriptures. If you don't feel like God is speaking to you, unpack the scriptures. Get in the word of God. I tell you, I, I, I've made it a habit of my life to, to read this book every single day. And that's not to sound super spiritual or super grand or impress you in any way. Sometimes it's one verse. Sometimes it's a chapter that really speaks nothing to me. And I'm like, God, I have no idea why I read that this morning. I, d- I don't even understand any of it. But I still read it every single day. Because I need to be reminded what God thinks of me. Who God is. Can I tell you, God knows the very hairs on your head. That's what scripture tells us. Less so, but still knows them. <laughs> you can stop laughing, Mark. he knows the very hairs on your head he knows you better than you know yourself so I need to be reminded of that that's who God is and Jesus reveals himself through the scriptures and he says look this is who I am you've lost hope but this is always who I was going to be and who I am you feel like connection has been lost it's not, let me show you how it's even stronger than it's ever been, because this is who I am. And so when we get into God's word, we are reminded who we are, and we're reminded who God is. So many voices in our world. My prayer is your pastor. If you would see me as your pastor, if not, then you can just close your ears and listen to somebody else. But if I am your pastor this morning, then my prayer for every single person in this, wo- in this room is that you would see God and see how God sees you. convicted of our righteousness he wants to connect with you but for so many of us life's road is marked by loss hurt twists and turns that we feel we can't see him that we feel like it's just chaos but God comes and is connected with you and he's committed to you and he may not feel like it you may not recognize it but Jesus knows us and he wants to pursue he wants us to pursue him do you know I, we were at a conference um a little while ago i say we mark and myself and david and a, a number of others were there and um the leader of our movement did an analogy that i just was fascinated by and he talked about us leaning in and leaning into the if, if you picture if i do it this way you have to see when we lean in it gets to a point where we lean in so much that we have to move because we fall forwards. Otherwise, you're just going to fall flat on your face. I want to encourage you to lean in to the word of God. Lean in to what God says because it will deepen your relationship with him. And you may not know where to start. Well, Mark actually has written a great uh, book that you can get on the Connect Point, which is just the Gospel of Mark interwoven with stories. He chose the one that was named after himself. I mean, how arrogant is that? (laughs) 
But it just start re- because what happens is when, when we connect with God, when we feel like there's no connection and we say, do you know what, I'm going to go deeper, I'm going to pursue him, we're leaning in and there comes a point, there's a tipping point when we have to move and stuff starts to happen. Jess did come. Well done, Jess. 154. Very impressive. Looking like she hasn't even run at all. Very impressive. But there's a point at which when we pursue God, we're leaning in and we fall forwards to the point where we move. So many of us want God to come and meet us. I'm just going to stand here until God comes and meets us. God, not hearing much from him. Not hearing much, God. Do you know, if I, I'm married, for those that don't know, I'm married. And if I just waited around for Kara to do everything, there ain't no way that relationship's deepening. See, what happens is I show up. I show up in the relationship. We, like, serve each other. And sometimes she's doing stuff, sometimes I'm doing stuff, and sometimes... I won't go there. But we show up at the relationship. We've just had a week away. It's been the worst week ever. It's like you're meant to go on holiday and relax. I'm just... I haven't got any notes, so I'm just sharing my, my, like, frustrations as pastor. But it's just been, like, the worst week ever. Because it rained the whole time. The kids were at each other's throats. We couldn't, we, at one point, there were, is that Reuben sleep, sleeping on the back? See, that sums up our week. He's just lay on the floor with a cracker on his stomach. And it's like they were at each other's throats and we're losing it with them because we're just like, can you just not get on with each other? So at one point we had one in one half of the house and the other in the other half of the house. And I'm looking at Cara going, can we just leave? I just want to go. And Reuben, the whole time we were there, was just saying, I want to go home, I want to go home. We got home, and he's like, I want to go back, I want to go back. And it was, just, it was just a miserable week. But if I hadn't shown up, if I'd have just gone, I don't think I'll bother with this. Do you know what's happened, actually, is that a relationship as a family has deepened. Because even through conflict, we go deeper. And even through, even through falling out with each other, we go deeper. Even through uh, uh, not wanting to be with each other, but choosing to show up, something happens in our relationship. I want to encourage you, show up with God. Show up with God. Pursue Him. Read His Word. Worship Him. Just every opportunity you get. Throughout your whole day, just Pursue him, knowing that he has done everything to make the connection possible. And so we're just called to show up. Show up. Do you feel like it? No. Does it feel like the connections, there's no signal? Yeah. But I'm showing up. Going to show up. Going to keep showing up. Because I'm deepening a relationship with God. And there are not fireworks every time. There's not fireworks every time I show up for Kara. There's not fireworks every time she shows up for me. But there is a deepening of a relationship because we have a shared experience. And it's in that shared experience that we see in this story with these two disciples as they're walking along. They then see who Jesus is. Because there's a point where Jesus stays with them and they still don't know who he is. And they've walked on this journey and he's been questioning. He's gone through the scriptures. I mean, it's like he's gone, hello, join the dots. I'm, I'm him and it's all there. They still can't see it. And it's not until he breaks the bread that they then go, that's who you are. Because there was a shared experience that they'd had before where they'd shown up and Jesus had gone, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood poured out for you. 
and they'd experienced something of Jesus in that moment. So when it felt like the connection was lost, they could see him because they'd had that moment. So I want to encourage you, show up even when you feel like the connection is lost because God is deepening in a relationship with you and he might be doing something right now here that you have no idea is significant for when you're 20 steps down that road called life and you look back and go, God, that's what you were doing. That's why I needed that because I needed it in this very moment right now. I didn't need it back then, but boy, do I need it now because I can't see you, but now I can see you because you did that back then. And so I encourage you, show up, show up. Luke 24. I hope this is meaning something to somebody because it was written at two o'clock this morning. (laughs) And I'm winging it. Some weeks you just have to wing it, don't you? (laughs) This one's not going on the internet, by the way, this recording. This one's just just for those of you that showed up. Luke 24, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. I want to finish with this and then we're going to come and take communion. Can I say that's the story of my journey with Jesus? That there's been stuff when I didn't know what was going on that he did that I didn't even notice he was doing. And then days, weeks, years later, I suddenly was like, oh, I needed that then because I need it right now. And I can see you. But then the minute I'd seen him, he'd gone again. They recognized him. And then he vanished. Now, I haven't decided with what I'm about to say. I haven't decided whether it's heretical or not. So if it is, just ignore it. But my journey with Jesus feels so often like one big game of hide and seek. That I feel like I found him. I feel like I've got him. I feel, and then he's gone. And it's like, I ha- oh. had a great quiet time. Oh, you've gone. And some of you will see me stood up here and I'm playing, I'm singing. And it's like, wow, he's just connected with God. And, and most of the time it's like, God, I, I had no idea what you're doing. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. I'm leaning in and I know at some point I'm going to take a step and I'm just going to follow you and I'm just going to take one step at a time. But actually sometimes it's like, God, I've got you and now you've gone again. But I want to encourage you. So if that's your experience, if you're someone who 24-7, it's like the radar's 100%, the strength of the signal is 100% great, this talk's probably not for you. I'm probably not the great pastor. You probably need to pastor me because um, you'd be better at it. Um, but if that's part of your journey, I want to encourage you and say, that's what the disciples experienced. They're one minute gone the next. Because actually Jesus knows the best thing for us is that we pursue him. Not that we grab hold of him and cage him up and keep him but actually that we pursue him. And we pursue him day after day after day because there's a deepening of a relationship. Can we stand together if you're willing and able? See, there was a breaking bread moment that opened their eyes. And it's then that they saw who was before them. But then he was gone again. Whether you right now need a breaking bread moment. Maybe you're on that journey and you're just like, I haven't seen Jesus for a very long time. I feel disconnected. 
I feel like he's never there. I feel like the ceiling isn't just above me, it's pressing down on me. Then I'm going to pray right now that as we come and take communion, that there'll be a breaking bread moment for you. That in these coming days, weeks, months, years, that he would give you a breaking bread moment when you can see him. But let me say to you, there will probably then come a moment where you feel like he's gone again. Because that's our journey with Jesus. It's the reality of what it's like. But don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't sit down on the road and forget it all. Keep walking. Because just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not walking with you. So we're going to take communion. Next week's sermon will probably be a little bit more prepared than this one. So if you're visiting, do come back. <laughs> but we're just going to give an opportunity just in these last 10, 15 minutes. We're not going to sing. We're not going to we're not going to rah it up or do anything. We're just going to offer, if you want some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. And we're going to come and take communion. And we're going to ask Jesus just to reveal himself as we break bread. We see that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. That he did that whilst we're still sinners. So we could be forever connecting with him. That everything you've ever done that would keep you from God converged in one moment. We call it sin. All your error, all your wrong, that God who is holy says, I can't have any part of that. But it all converged in one moment and Christ defeated it, put it to death, and then he rose over it and rules and reigns. So we could forever have communion with God. So whether you feel like you're close to God or not, the truth is he is close to you and he is walking with you. So as we come and take communion, I want you to be reminded that his body was broken for you and his blood was shed for you. But if you would like some prayer, we will pray with you about anything. And there's hopefully some people as well that will pray with me and pray for you. We're just going to put some quiet music on and just have a time now, just, just letting God minister to us. So Father God, we thank you. We thank you. That no matter where we are on that walk, no matter where we are on that path, you are walking alongside us. Whether we have ever recognized who you are, you are walking alongside us. And Lord, I pray right now in this moment right now that eyes would be opened for who you are. Or whether we've been walking with you and we've lost sight and we feel distant. Lord, I pray right now you would just come and reveal your presence. Draw close. Knowing that that's probably not going to be how we feel all the time, but it's a constant reminder that you are there. And so as we physically take these elements that represent your body and represent your blood, we're reminded of the truth of the fact that this represents what you have done and that you did it so we could connect forever with the Father. And we thank you. Church, I invite you forward, come and take communion. If you'd like some prayer, just you can gather in this space and I'd love to stand with you and pray with you. So let's take communion together.